We're going to finish up today our, uh, the series that we've been doing with a number of other churches in Richmond, the, uh, a series, Explore God. And the question uh, that we're supposed to look at today is the question of, can you know God personally? And uh, so Heather already answered that question. And um, so the answer is yes. I mean, obviously, if the answer was no, uh, it'd be kind of silly to be here, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, one, of the, one of the things, uh, just to let you know about what we're going to do, start next week, Next week, we'll start a series in the Old Testament book of Ruth uh, to uh, uh, lead us into Advent and then ultimately on through to Christmas. Um, and you may think, well, what does the book of Ruth have to do with, with Christmas? Well, uh, did you know that the book of Ruth happens in Bethlehem? Uh, did you know that Ruth is in the uh, genealogy of Jesus Christ? Did you know that uh, the book of Ruth... Uh, is about refugees uh, and widows and uh, foreigners, right? So, um, and it all takes place in the time of the judges where the writer says uh, there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. So I think there's some application we can make uh, to, <laughs> to, uh, to uh, uh, our uh, situation and the, uh, uh, that we find ourselves in today. So the question is today, uh, can you know God personally? Well, obviously the answer is is yes. And and one of the things, but there, there's some important things for us to, to kind of un, unpack about that before we go uh, much further. One of the best things, may, maybe the best thing uh, about being a human being is uh, the the gift that God gives to us of knowing and being known. Now, when we hear the word knowing in our culture, what we tend to do is we tend to think about it in a very factual, almost technological way. In the Bible, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, anytime you come across the word where someone knows someone else, it's, it's much richer, much deeper, much fuller meaning than that. It, it talks, it means intimacy and it means, uh, understanding and it means connection at a deep, a heart and a personal level. Uh, and so one of the things that we have to recognize about this this issue about uh, God knowing us is that that tells us a lot about God to begin with. Uh, because frankly, uh, I would suspect that some of us in here have a God that uh, is unknowable. He's abstract. He's a force. Uh uh, and, and we probably don't tend to think of him being uh, warm and personal. Uh, and yet that's exactly what the, the scriptures say to us over and over and over again. Right. And so the great adventure that we have as human beings is to 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 know someone, to be known by someone, to know God and to be known by God. Those things are, are uh, uh, probably some of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift. Uh, that you'll ever uh, have in your life. One of the things that I have determined to do as I get older is to get to know more people. Because uh, one of the things that I notice about people when they get older, their world gets smaller. And I'm not going to do that, at least for now. And so I'm determining that I'm going to uh, uh, go to lunch or spend time with or do things with people that I don't know. So I did that this week. I went to lunch with somebody I didn't know, uh, and uh, it was great. I, I, you know, I'm the I'm a jerk 
honestly. And so uh, to say that I don't know somebody before I go to lunch with them, I've already formed some opinions, <laughs> right? I've already formed some thoughts about what this person is like. And so it's good to go with them and to see which ones are confirmed and which ones are not confirmed. And it was it was a lot of it was a, it was a lot of fun, actually, to to spend some time with somebody I didn't know very well and just to hear from them what life is like for them and what they do and, and what they like to do and that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a rich gift. It's, it's something that busy people like us probably don't, uh, uh, spend enough of our time and, and, and energy on. Well, one of the things that we have to see about that is that the fact that we, we are built to know and to be known, we're built to know God and be known by God should tell us something about God. I, there's a great quote from uh, Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. This is written by an old man uh, in his 70s uh, who knows that his heart is failing and uh, he's going to die. He's writing this to his seven-year-old son. Uh, he was married earlier in his life, uh, but his first wife and baby died. And he spent years and years and years in loneliness. And he has met a vagrant, beautiful woman. Uh, and he has married her, and now he has a son who's seven years old, and he knows he's going to die soon. And so he's leaving this record behind for his son, so that his son will have some knowledge of his father. And this is what the thing, this first sentence um, is, is just a profound sentence, right? You see how it is godlike to love the being of someone. Now, um, to, what he means by that is just to love someone just because they are. Not for anything they can do for you, not for anything uh, uh, particular about that, but that he loves his son just because he is. And he says, your existence is a delight to us. It's godlike to love the being of someone, and and a corollary of of godlike to love the being of someone is that you delight in them. I hope you never have to long for a child as I did, but oh, what a splendid thing it has been that you came finally, and what a blessing to enjoy you now for almost seven years. You see, one of the things that I think is so profound about that is one of the things that we need to to to, to kind of get at the very heart of of the nature of God is that the God that we're talking about is not some unmoved mover or some force in the universe or uh, some kind of duality or something like that. He, at the very heart of him is is that he is a person. That's what it means to know someone personally. And that as 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 he is personal, uh, he has built us uh, to be in relationship with one another and in relationship with him. So. I wrote this stuff down because I think this is really important and it's basic stuff for us to kind of get at this whole question of the nature of God. So the triune God of the Bible, right, the triune God that Christians worship is three distinct persons in one being. Now, I know, I know that every time you mention the Trinity, sometimes with people, they're like, oh, it's that thing again. And I don't know what it means. I don't understand it. Well, let me tell you right now, take your understanding and set it over here on the shelf. And turn your back on it and just listen. Because what I'm telling you is true, whether you understand it or not, because it is the nature of God. Okay, so take your understanding, your need to understand, set it aside and just 
Listen with me for a minute, right? So the triune God that Christians worship is three distinct persons in one being revealed in history and in the pages of the Bible as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because of this, God was, is, and always will be in relationship. Okay? Something that is eternal about God, that is unchanging about God, uh, not just his righteousness, not just his mercy, not just his grace, but something even more elemental than that is the fact that he is relational, that he has the capacity and has always had the capacity eternally to be in relationship. That is essential. You know, I don't I don't know what you think about God and I don't know what what kind of God you have, but this God is built and driven and energized and and essential uh, to his being is relationship. He is never alone and never lonely. His loving overture to mankind is simply the outflowing of the love that already exists within himself for himself. Now, this is a profound thing to think about because because the fact is, that, 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 that God wants a personal relationship with us is not something that he can leave, take it or leave it. It is essential to his being to be in relationship. Next slide. So the personal salvation that Christians experience is a reconciliation with God the Father carried out through God the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. So God's triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, demonstrates the kind of personal relationship he longs to share with man. And one of the things that I love about this sentence is it uses the word long. Only persons long. Right? Impersonal forces don't long. Right? He said over and over again that his desire for them, for us, is to be his people and for him to be their God. In fact, if someone asks you to summarize the Bible, what you could say about that is it is the story of God being our God and us being his people and what it took for that to happen. Right. So such a God is lovingly loyal and loyally loving to the works of his hands. He loves what he is committed to, and he is committed to what he loves. So so at the very heart, you have to understand that this is the thing uh, that is absolutely true of the God that is is proclaimed to us and revealed to us uh, in the Bible. Next slide. So this God knows you, and he wants you to know him. And I'll give you a great illustration for this, because one of the ways that we think about this is because I know... uh, in the modern day and age, you know, we like to stand back kind of coldly, uh, we think scientifically and rationally. We like to, we like to kind of stand back and, uh, have the, have a, a, a chip of kind of cynicism on our shoulders for, for God to, you know, to, to do something or to prove something to us or whatever. Um, uh, and, and the fact of the matter is at the very nature and the very heart of God, is this declaration to us that he's relational and he wants to have a relationship with us. And if you want to know a perfect illustration of that, go to the Garden of Eden. We read in the Garden of Eden that when God made everything and it was good, in fact, it was very good, he rests for a day 
And then we read before the sin enters into the world that apparently it was the habit of God in the cool of the day to come down into the garden and to walk with Adam and Eve. Why did he do that? He didn't have to do that. He made them. And what's this walking all about, right? Is he like, hey, get to work on the peach harvest or, hey, you know, get those squirrels under your thumb, exercise some dominion over there, right? Or, hey, what's up with the olives? Get with the program here. I put you in the garden to work. Where's the produce? Right? No. He's walking around with them in the garden to know them and for them to know him. Right? I mean, why does he do that? Why is he bothering with that? He made it. It's beautiful. It's very good. Wind it up. Let it go. Let's turn. Get all. Just move on to something else. But that tells us something profound about this God who is so big and so powerful and so so awesome. That what does he do? He comes down the garden. And he walks around with those that he's made. Look at the terms that are used to describe God. Just And there's millions of them to help us understand the very personal, passionate uh, delight that, that, that God has in, in knowing us and being known. We read in Psalm 23, the most famous psalm in the Bible, that he is our shepherd. Now, you may think, shepherd? That doesn't sound very personal to me. Well, if you're a sheep, that shepherd is the most important person in the world. Jesus said, my sheep know me, they know my voice, and I know them by name. Right? King. We read that the the Lord is is our king. Someone that you can know and love and be loyal to and see and hear and, and serve. Jesus amps this up even more when he tells his disciples that when they pray, the God that they are talking to is their father. We read in Hebrews that Jesus calls us his brothers. It's as if he is our older brother. (coughs) John 14 tells us that that the Holy Spirit comes to us as our comforter. You see, these are warm, personal, relational things that, that describe to us the nature of this guy. <clears throat> and so we come to the Textus in the bulletin, Psalm 139, a, a very familiar psalm, one that, that, um, uh, that we know a lot. But read this with me today with the understanding and the appreciation that this is written to us to help us understand the intimate knowledge that this God shares with us and that what he has of us. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Now that's something. He's acquainted with all my ways. Um. We've had, um, our, when I was in seminary, I was my, the most formative professor that I had was a deeply Southern, uh, pastor who had like six PhDs from every major university in, in Europe. And he still talked like he was <clears throat> on his father's cotton farm in Larnburg, uh, North Carolina. <clears throat> he just retired. And, uh, 
we were at the little church we went to that met in a uh, warehouse over a landfill um, was, uh, yes, I didn't make that up. Uh, he uh, filled in on Sunday nights to preach for us <coughs> because we were without a preacher. Uh, and so I'll never forget, we, Marty and I were responsible for getting him to the church and back because he couldn't remember how to get there. He was... He could barely dress himself. He was too smart to know how to put a belt through his belt loops. So, I mean, really, he's that eccentrically bright. Uh, and um, I could tell you a lot of stories. But anyway, the, the one I want to tell you is so he gets up in front of the church one night to, to preach. And this is in Mississippi. And, you know, there's a there's a there can be a weird veneer of kind of uh, churchy uh appropriate stuff and he got up in the pulpit and he started coughing <coughs> and he was doing like that and i thought oh you know dr kelly are you okay and he says <coughs> before i read the scriptures to the, tonight i need y'all to know uh, that i got that old drainage and uh <laughs> i don't know what else he talked about but i was it was like he just said drainage from the pulpit, right? So before he, he went off, well, um, I got the drainage. And so, um, but the, one of the things that happened before church was uh, someone who uh, knows me, right, uh, walked in and handed me uh, a, a baggie full of cough drops. I didn't have to ask her for them. She knows me. She knows what's going on. And she brought them, Right. So one of the things that you have to see about this is, is just how, how profound it is to be known in this way, to have someone who is acquainted with all your ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Now, see, one of the things that's profound about that is we tend to think about knowledge as something like calculus or physics. But the wonder of the knowledge here of the God of the universe is that he knows these intimate details about us. And and if you wondered what it means for him to know you, that it feels kind of weird that he knows you in the sense of, oh, no, you know, it's like when you when you sit down with a counselor and they start telling you things about yourself that you didn't that that are, are kind of scary and revealing. But it's not like that. He says he lays his hand upon me. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be touched by somebody who I don't know. In fact, don't even get in my space. Right? But the God that we're talking about here, not only does he know us, and not only does he stand apart with that kind of knowledge, like, ha, 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 I know you, <laughs> and I'm going to use it against you. He puts his hand on us. Right? Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Even the darkness is not dark to you. You know why? Because the darkness is his, 
just as much as the light is. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. What my soul knows about God and the wonder of his works is that he has made me and he knows me. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Listen, a measure for you today, if you want to know whether somebody loves you or not, or whether you love somebody else, do you ever ask them, what do you think, and listen to what they say? Your thoughts matter to me. What do you think? That's a big deal. That's a big deal. <clears throat> How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God? How vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. You know, one of the things that's profound about that is, is that, that God wants to know your thoughts and he wants you to know his thoughts. Thoughts are those things that are intimate, that are internal, that, that spring from, from, our, from our hearts and our minds, right? And so the psalmist wants us to know that he knows us. And it's important to understand that he knows you because he wants to know you. He wants to know you. Now, now, and it's, it's not because he has this knowledge just because he's all powerful and he's just like some kind of giant computer out here somewhere. No, he has a heart that is interested in knowing you. You know why? Just like we read before where John Ames is talking about his little boy, it's because he delights in you. And I'm going to say this a couple more times. If your concept of God doesn't involve his delight in you, get another God. He's fiercely present in this in this passage with us. You can't go to heaven. You can't go to hell. You can't go to sleep. You can't go to work. You can't go anywhere that he is not present with you, seeing you, knowing you, revealing himself to you. He wants us to know what he thinks. He wants he the the whole of the scriptures, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is is a trumpet call to uh, from God to us to tell us, listen, listen, this is what I think of you. This is how you matter to me. Yes, you've you've sinned and yes, you've fallen. But do not let shame, do not let guilt, do not let failure keep you from the overarching heart of God to know you and to be known by you. That's the whole point of Jesus Christ coming into this world. And not only that, this knowledge that he has of us is intimate. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets of your life. He knows everything about you. And yet, because if you are in Christ today... He sees that and he understands who you are and he delights in you because Jesus Christ has made you whole and righteous and delightful. Um, one, uh, one of the things <clears throat> that I've been thinking about is in a couple of months, I have to give a toast at a uh, rehearsal dinner. Now, you may think, well, why are you, you know, why are you thinking about that ahead of time? Well, because uh, I have been 
to a million toasts at rehearsal dinners. And I've seen some really awesome ones, and I have been present at some train wrecks. No one in here's was a train wreck. All of yours was great, right? But as, a, as, a, as an experience of that, I have come up with some rules about what to do as a toast giver at a wedding. Uh, I'm not going to share these rules with you now, <clears throat> except for one. That the toast giver has one job. Not to be funny, not to be witty, not to be interesting, but to be honoring. And so what I have this what I have thought is that what I need to do in my job is to make sure that my son and my future daughter-in-law that his future in-laws and all of his friends hear that his dad honors him. We were infertile for many years. And we had a child who was stillborn. And so when this one, as all three of our children came along, it was, not only was it delightful, not only was it wonderful with all of those things, uh, it was, <clears throat> how to put this, it, it was, um, well, we were just amazed. And I'll tell you how I know we were amazed. Not, not so much because of, you know, the, the new experience of being parents and, 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 you know, if you have six kids, every kid's a new experience. But when we brought Tate home from the hospital and we put him in the, uh, in the crib, we would find ourselves often <laughs> kind of standing by his crib and just staring at him. Not because we thought he was going to get sick or die or anything, just because we're like, look, <laughs> there he is. Who is he? Who are we? Here's this gift of God from God to us, and he's laying here, and we're going to get to know him. We are getting to know him, and he is getting to know us. And look at him. There he is. <laughs> right? And so, so when you, when you come at this, one of the things that you recognize about that, and one of the things that is profound about that is you see this precious one, weak, uh, helpless, clueless, uh, but utterly delightful and wonderful. And you want to know them, and you want them to know you. God wants you to know him so much that he has pursued you not just to death, but through death in Jesus Christ. His delight in you is so profound that it cost him everything to delight in you. It cost him the life of the Son of God to see to it that you could know him and that he would know you with intimate wonderful, delightful pursuit. And not only that, but that he did that so that your eternity would be one giant experience of intimate knowledge 
with your maker, your creator, your father, your comforter, your older brother, because you will be you will know and you will see him face to face. That's what we were built for. That's what we were created for. And even more profoundly than that, that is what we have been redeemed for. Listen, do you believe that your God, who you identify as your God, does he delight in you? And I'm not talking about the fact that, well, he would delight in me if I did better. Well, how much better do you have to do to get him to delight in you? What, what's the standard? What does he said in the Bible? Look, if you're obedient 65% of the time, I grade on a curb and now I delight in you. <laughs> right? If, if, if you can't say that, repent. If you're caught up in shame and you're hiding, repent of those things that give you shame and make you hide and experience fully the delight that your father has in you and that Jesus Christ died to give you. Revel in the fact that he knows you and that he's made it possible for you to be known by him. That's the God we're talking about. Let's pray. Lord, we need a sense of this uh, today. Thanks so much that uh, uh, we have this uh, period, uh, this, this uh, look into, uh, well, just who you are and your very nature. Lord, we forget that uh, you're not just some kind of big force or some kind of big, uh, uh, well, just some big thing in the sky. And I uh, pray that you would forgive us for that. Thanks for the fact that uh, you speak and you reveal and you know and you draw near. And I pray that that would help us. I pray today for those who um, are hiding from you, who think they can hide from you. I pray for those today who uh, are working hard somehow or other to hide their shame. I pray that uh, you would draw near to them speak words of grace and comfort and give the courage to repent. I pray today that you would uh, help us um, to entrust ourselves more fully um, to this uh, work, um, this joy of knowing you and being known by you. Help us, Lord, uh, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, as the guys come